Chapter Eight of the Keynote by Clara Louise Burnham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christy Luther. Chapter Eight, Sketches. Our pebbles are getting a good washing, aren't they? Said Mrs. Lowell when she and her protege had reached the shore. The tide was high, and she and Bert put the cushions in front of a rock which sprang from the grass on the edge of the stony beach. He followed her directions apathetically. "'Put your pillow against the rock. See, there's a nice slanting place. Perhaps you'll take a little nap. The sea is making a rather thunderous lullaby. Try it. I shan't mind, for here are my books and my writing-paper and pencils galore.' The boy sank down beside her in the place she indicated, and looked at the materials in her lap. She had opened a leather case, and showed a tablet of paper fitted at the side, with a case for pencils. "'Do you ever write letters, Bertie?' "'I... no.' "'When you and your uncle leave home, is there no one for you to write back to?' "'There's Cora.' "'Your housekeeper?' The boy nodded his eyes still on the books and materials in his friend's lap. She, alert to meet any show of interest on his part, took up one of the books. "'Do you ever read the Bible, Bertie?' "'I don't... no, I never did.' "'Didn't your mother ever read it to you?' The boy looked up into her eyes. "'Yes, about the shepherd.' "'I'm so glad that you know that psalm,' she returned gently. "'Can you say it? The Lord is my shepherd?' He shook his head, and again his eyes dropped to the contents of her lap. "'It is like a game of magic music,' she thought. "'There's something here I should do. "'Divine harmony, divine love, show me what it is.' "'Are you looking at this?' She took up the other book and pointed to the gold cross and crown on its cover. Then she offered it to him. He shook his head. "'Veronica told me that your uncle hurt your feelings this morning,' went on Mrs. Lowell, laying the book down. The boy's brows drew together and his gaze sought the ground. "'You know, the Bible is the most beautiful book in the world.' It has hundreds of verses as lovely as those about the shepherd. This is one. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Fear him means fear to displease him on account of our love for him and his love for us. It was so long since the boy had heard any mention of love that he looked up at her, still gloomy. You know how unhappy you always were when you displeased your mother, and you know how she pitied you for your mistake and drew you back to her and forgave you? Yes. Yes, I do. That is the way God does with us. So you see, it isn't a bad thing to be pitied with love. If you ever think again of what your uncle said, just turn away from it, and know that love is taking care of you every minute. God is always here, waiting to bless us. 
I'd... I'd rather see him, said the boy. Your friends are his messengers, said Mrs. Lowell. What... what friends have I? Me, for one, replied his companion. As she leaned toward him with her spontaneous grace, he met her affectionate regard with his piteous eyes. Did God... did God send you to me? I'm sure he did, she returned slowly. Then... then can I take one of your pencils? Mrs. Lowell looked down at her writing tablet. Certainly she said, passing the whole affair to him. A remarkable transformation took place in the boy's face. He took the folding case with its complete outfit, and his companion regarded him in surprise. His eyes lighted, and color came stealing up over face and brow. He looked over his shoulder apprehensively, then back at her. "'You won't tell him,' he said. "'Who, your uncle?' Yes, he would beat me. Why doesn't he like you to write letters? The first smile she had ever seen on the boy's face altered it now as he looked at her, and her heart beat faster in a mystified sense that some cruelly bolted door had been pushed ajar. You can have that portfolio for your own, Bertie, she said. No, no, he'd kill me. "'What can you mean, dear child?' The boy started up from his cushion and perched on top of the rock, glancing along the shore. Mrs. Lowell leaned forward and saw his hand with the pencil move swiftly here and there on the blank sheet. She said not a word, but watched the slender young face with the new alertness in the eyes. The tide was making its splendid slow retreat. The gulls were wheeling and crying— and white as their wings, the daisy drifts were beginning to appear on the uplands. Activity, growing, unfolding, all about her. The watcher felt this waif to be a part of it. One of God's little ones, who could not be kept in bondage. At last the boy came down again and gave her his work. She looked at it in amazement. The curve of the shore the groups of spruces, a distant cottage, the light clouds on the blue were all sketched in with a sure touch. Who taught you this, Bertie? Nobody, but I watched my mother. She was an artist. She let me draw beside her. She knew I could. She said so. I'll show you. You won't tell? Never. The boy drew from his pocket a small folded paper. He took off the paper and revealed oiled silk. He unfolded this, and a small pen-and-ink sketch came to view. It was of a woman's face, slightly smiling. There was expression in the long-lashed eyes, eyes like the boy's own. The hair waved off the forehead. Bertie held the treasure for Mrs. Lowell to see, but did not relinquish it. Is this your mother? Yes. Who did it? I did. When, Bertie, when? After... Afterward? He answered, 
and his companion could hear that some obstruction stopped his speech. "'It is very, very lovely,' said Mrs. Lowell slowly, and the boy looked over his shoulder again apprehensively. "'Did you say your uncle forbade you to sketch?' The boy folded the little picture back carefully in its wrappings and replaced it in his pocket. "'Why do you suppose your uncle did that?' asked Mrs. Lowell. "'I don't know.' "'Don't you really, Bertie?' she asked, dreading the signs of dullness she perceived altering his face as the brightness died away. "'I guess it was because he said it. It wasted my time.' He took everything except this. The boy's hand rested on the pocket that held the treasure. He didn't find this. Took what? Your materials? Your sketching things? Everything. He gets very, very angry if I take a pencil. Twice he's whipped me for it. But, Bertie, please try to help me understand. "'Mr. Gain is an artist himself,' he says. "'Yes, he says he has money enough to live, and I haven't. "'He says I just hang on him. "'So I must chop wood and, and wash windows, and Cora makes me scrub the floors. "'He says if he wants to waste time painting, he can, but I must not.' Mrs. Lowell regarded the boy closely. "'Your uncle showed me some very charming sketches up at the farm this morning.' "'Did he?' returned the boy listlessly. "'He never was an artist when—when when she was here.' "'That is strange, isn't it?' said Mrs. Lowell. "'Strange that he should be able suddenly to do such good things.' "'No.' said Bertie simply. It's easy. They were both silent for a time. The portfolio lay on the stones between them. The boy suddenly picked it up. I must tear this, he said. Mrs. Lowell caught his hand just as he started to pull the sketch from the tablet. Won't you give it to me, Bertie? she asked. He hesitated. He'll find it. Indeed he will not. It will go into the bottom of my trunk. The boy took his hand away, and she recovered the portfolio. He had replaced the pencil in the case. I should so like to give you the pencil, she said. The boy shook his head decidedly. No, he'd find it, he answered. I am very much interested about your mother being an artist, said Mrs. Lowell. You know you are going to do everything you can to please her. She would be very sorry that your uncle has not made you happy. I am sure she wanted you to use your talent. So, very often, we will take walks, and I will get better materials for you than this, and you shall make many sketches. The boy's brows drew together. It was evident that he was in such fetters of fear that the prospect was a mixed pleasure. "'Do you remember your father? When did he die?' "'I don't know. It was before.' "'Was he a kind father, and kind to your dear mother?' "'I don't know. Everybody was angry with her, 
all the rich people, because she, she ran away to marry him. Then she was left all alone with me, and, and she sold pictures, and we were... The voice stopped. Yes, I know. You were happy. Then when she went away, your uncle took you. Yes, and Cora. And wasn't Cora kind to you? Bertie shook his head. I don't know, he said. It seemed as if the recollection of his uncle's housekeeper made him retreat at once into the protective shell. Just let me ask you one more question. Your Uncle Nick was here at the island last summer. He didn't bring you with him. Where were you then? Home. Alone? No, with Cora. But wouldn't Cora like you to draw a pretty picture for her? No. She knows Uncle Nick would hit her. What did you do all summer? Helped Cora. Then, when she was drunk, I went to the park. Sometimes I slept there. Mrs. Lowell shook her head. I'm glad your uncle brought you this time. Cora wouldn't stay. They had the worst fight of all. They were always fighting. Bertie, dear, said Mrs. Lowell tenderly, try to know all the time that God is taking care of you and leading you, we know he will. Uncle Nick must know it, too, sometime. Know what? exclaimed the boy with a start. That God takes care of his children. Your uncle is one, and I am one, and you are one. We shall have to keep some secrets from Uncle Nick until he grows kinder and knows that the only way to be happy is to love. I should like to know your mother's people. Uncle Nick says they're all dead. Do you know their name? No. Think, Bertie. What was your mother's name? Helen. What else? Can't you remember the name on her paintings, perhaps? The boy was silent, and his brow was puzzled. He reached into a pocket. I brought my book, he said, drawing forth a worn and much-thumbed pamphlet. I'm so glad you did, she returned. He did not offer it to her, but she looked over his shoulder as he turned the leaves of the catalogue of an exhibition of paintings. There are two of my mother's, he said. He indicated the small reproductions of two landscapes, and Mrs. Lowell studied them with interest. I can see that they must be charming, she said. Have you any of her pictures? There was one, said the boy, and he had to wait for a time before he could add. Uncle Nick sold it. Let us see if there may be a list of exhibitors, said Mrs. Lowell. May I take it a minute? Bertie yielded the pamphlet, and she turned to the front of the book. Yes, there was the list, and her eye quickly caught the name, Helen Loring Gain. Your mother's name was Loring, then. It's my name, too, Herbert Loring Gain. Where did her people live, Bertie? In Boston. 
I can always remember that because, because when Uncle Nick is angry at what I, I do, he says, don't try any Boston on me, and then, then I know he means my mother, because he, he didn't like. The boy's voice hesitated and stopped. Mrs. Lowell called his attention to some of the other pictures in the pamphlet, speaking of the artists whose name were known to her, and he finally restored his treasure to his pocket. When they again reached the inn, they found Nicholas Gaine walking up and down the piazza. He came to the head of the steps. "'This is too much, Mrs. Lowell,' he said with an effort at bluff good nature. "'For you to burden yourself with a young hobbledy-hoy like Bert when you take your rambles?' "'If I like it, I suppose you have no objections,' she returned pleasantly. "'I assure you that I had to urge him to accompany me. "'Too bad there aren't some young people of his own age here.' "'He wouldn't know what to say to them if there were, would you, Bert?' "'No, sir,' was the reply, and the boy started to go into the house. "'Here, what are you doing?' said his uncle, catching him roughly by the arm. "'You haven't said good-bye to the lady after her kindness in dragging you around.' Mrs. Lowell controlled herself to speak calmly. "'I tell Bert it would be a good thing for him to learn to swim while he is here.' "'That's the talk,' ejaculated his uncle, throwing the arm off as roughly as he had grabbed it. "'Go in and win, Bert. I'll get you a bathing suit. Show him you ain't any milksop. Take the dives with the best of them.' The boy stood with his eyes downcast. "'Don't sulk!' went on his uncle with exasperation. For heaven's sake, don't sulk. That's the way it is, Mrs. Lowell. If you try to think up some jolly thing for him to do, he stands like an image. No more backbone than a jellyfish. Everybody doesn't like the water, returned Mrs. Lowell, moved now by the dread that the man might suspect her influence and remove the boy. Well, how did you like the farm? he pursued. "'What a pleasant place it is,' she returned, seating herself on the piazza rail. "'No wonder you like to spend time there. I haven't forgotten those charming sketches you showed me, either.' Gain made a clumsy bow. "'You flatter me,' he said. "'I make no claims.' The lady looked down on the garden border. "'The sweet peas look thirsty, Bertie,' she said. "'Let's water them.' The boy followed her in silence to where the coiled hose lay, and his uncle looked after them, a thoughtful frown gathering on his dark brow. End of chapter 8